0: One of the chapters of the Bible which really covers this Romans chapter 8 and uh, we don't normally do this here but I'm actually going to go through sort of line by line and cover a number of thoughts from Romans chapter 8. Um, so if you've got a Bible you can open it up to Romans 8 but it will be up on the screen in a few moments because Romans chapter 8 is one of those great chapters which we can call like a declaration of freedom. We're going to talk about freedom today because one of the things God does for us is he makes us free. Freedom in your heart, freedom in your spirit comes from, from God, comes from Jesus. And I believe that he wants to make you free today, free from worry, free from stress, free from small thinking, free from short-term thinking, free from condemnation. Every good thing that God has in mind for you is going to come out of his word and his spirit working within us. So let's just go to Romans chapter 8 right now. And uh, we're going to read this verse uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm reading most of this today will be from the Passion Translation, but some of it is from another couple of other translations uh, that we have here. So uh, Romans 8, 18. I am convinced that any suffering we endure... Anyone feel like they're suffering today? No. You know, you know we, all, we all have suffering, okay? We, we suffer a little bit in our life from various things. Any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. Now, that's a pretty big statement. But what God is saying is that He's about to do something amazing in your life. He's about to to reveal things in your life of the glory of God, of the majesty of God, and the greatness of God that you can't probably even imagine. It's about to happen. It's about to come in your life. Now, a lot of this, what I'm going to share today... Some of it can have a future application because the Bible says that the day is coming when we will one day be taken directly, physically, bodily into the presence of God in heaven. That's what heaven is about if you want. But I believe that all of these scriptures also have a present day application for us. I believe that God wants his glory to be revealed and unveiled in you as of today, even even today, even, even right now because God is doing something great within us. I believe this is a call for us to take a, a long-term view of life. You know, especially as a Christian, it's possible to be weighed down with things. It's possible to, to struggle and be challenged by our everyday issues that affect us. And we all have them. You know, paying the bills and, you know, getting to work on time and getting out of bed on time and, you know, the t- issues with the kids. And there's, there's all kinds of things that we have go on in, in our life every day. And it's very easy for those things to to uh, uh, fill our horizon. It's very easy for those issues of daily living to become so big that it's all that we can see and we actually miss the bigger picture of what God wants to do in our life because I believe that God has got a bigger picture for you and for me, a bigger picture for each one of us here in this room today. And this, this message today is a call for us to lift our horizon, lift our eyes up and see the bigger picture that God has for us today. Because I believe, friends, that one of the, the bigger pictures that God has for us is to be able to reflect the glory of God in our life. I believe we're here, amongst other things, to be reflectors of God's glory. And I'm going to just read this scripture to you from... Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this. Now, this is a story about Moses from the Old Testament. Moses went up to the mountain to meet with God. And God, it says, came down and met Moses on top of this mountain. That was a freaky, scary experience. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 19. All of the people of Israel were there gathered around the mountain. They were seriously freaked out by what was happening. The mountain was literally shaking. God came down and spoke with Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. Okay? The Ten Commandments. You've all heard of the Ten Commandments. Now, so Moses comes down from the mountain and it said that his face was glowing, was literally glowing from being in the presence of God. And people could see it. And so Moses put a veil over his face so that people wouldn't see over time that the, the glory was actually fading from his face. That's what this is about. Let's read this now. Okay. So, so, um, all of us who've met Jesus, if you've got God on the inside of your life, all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God, that's what God wants you and I to become, like a a reflective surface so that we can actually, so when people meet you, it might be at work, it might be at school or uni or somewhere or down the street or in your family, wherever you are, people will look at you and say, what's different about them? Man, they're amazing. Something, something's changed. Something's happened about that person in their life. We're actually, what's happening is what's on the inside is showing on the outside, is reflecting outside. Now, I'm not just talking here about someone who's been out in the sun too long. You know, you know you met someone like that that had a big day maybe they didn't have the hat on all day and and you them all they're kind of glowing you know i'm not talking about that okay but have you ever met anyone who's got that glow about them and it's just a something coming out of them it's just a a radiance coming out of them i believe that's what this is talking about that god wants it so that whatever's on the inside of us will come out i had this during the week someone at my work uh though i don't see this person very often but i was just sitting there at lunchtime and they they said, and we were talking about work a little bit, and I said, oh, I'm only working two days a week here now. And they said, oh, is that why you're always smiling? And I, and I, didn't, I didn't have a chance to come back and give the real reason, but, but, you know, we should be. We should have the glow of God about us on our face. And look, one of my favourite verses in the Bible, I just love this, Psalm 34, verse 5, and it says this, those who look to him are radiant, their faces will never be covered with shame. Now, I don't know about you, but I just see people, sometimes you're walking down the street and you see someone, you can just tell, that person's got shame in their life. I don't know whether it's just God has put that in, in my heart to be able to to be able to identify that, but I can see some people. You can see the shame in their life. Those who look to him, the Bible says, are radiant. Their faces will never be be covered with shame. And I think that's what Jesus does in us. He comes to give us not only just a a whole new life and a new perspective on life, but to change us on the inside so profoundly that it begins to show on the outside and people can see what's happening. We've got to keep going here. The entire universe, we're going to go through this line by line, Romans 8, to get through to the end part. of The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. So this is a further extension of what we're talking about. It says like the created world, God's world is actually waiting to see... What becomes of these Christians, you know why? Because there's something on the inside, and, and I don't know how really, I don't really understand this or know how this works, but I do know this that God intends to use you and I, believers in Jesus, to actually display His handiwork in the world. I believe that. I, I just, I, like I said before, I got a sense that God wants to do something in hearts here today. God wants to touch you during this message. You know, not, we can pray later, but be open to God. He wants to do something in your heart right now as this message is going through. God is going to use you and me and each one of us here who've got Jesus in our heart to display his handiwork in the world. Now, I don't fully understand how that works, but I just know God's got something special in mind for you. God's got something in store for you that is personal and powerful. For it says here, the next verse says, For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. Well, you know, we live in a beautiful world, and I don't know how much traveling you've done or how much of the world you've seen. I've seen a little bit of it. I've seen some of the world. and uh, But I can tell you this, the world is a beautiful place. I've seen some of Australia and little bits of the rest of the world. It's a wonderful place, but you know what? It's a broken place. The world is broken because of the effects of sin. Now, I'm not talking here about just the environment. The environment, I know, is broken to some extent. Yes, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about the hearts of humankind. Men and women and children that are broken by fear and broken by torment and broken by shame and broken by you know uh, hurt and wounding that's happened in their life and it's the, con- the effect of the consequences of sin in the lives of people that have that have happened. When when God created Adam and Eve, I love this thought. The first humans, God it says, God made Adam from the dust of the ground. You know why? When someone dies. There's a funeral. I've actually got to conduct a funeral this week for someone who passed away a while ago. When you conduct a funeral, you say, you know, when they go down into the grave, into the ground, it says you say dust to dust dust and ashes to ashes. Why is that? Because the Bible says that we came from dust. We came from the dirt of the grave. God created, God made Adam and Eve, it says. And then it says, had he blessed them. He blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth be fruitful he blessed them now don't don't just um, uh, fail to see the significance of that i, I want to tell you the significance of being blessed it's an amazing thing it's a powerful thing when god blesses you things start to work out your life starts to work out you know your finances start to work out your health works out uh, blessing starts to flow in your life. And I really believe that as believers in Jesus here. We're all blessed by God. But what happened is sin entered in. The Bible tells the whole story from Genesis chapter 2 and 3. You can read it there. It says that sin came in, and because of that, a curse came upon the earth. What's a curse? A curse is the opposite of blessing. Okay, God blessed them then they ended up being cursed. Well, what happened is, the Bible tells us, I'm giving you the really short version of this. This is the super short version of this. What happened is, Jesus came in the fullness of God's timing, in the purposes of God, and He restored the blessing of God fully to us, because the Bible says, when Jesus hung upon the cross, He took the curse on our behalf, and now we are blessed because of Jesus. So all of these songs that we sing about being blessed because of Jesus, it's a real thing. When you ask Jesus into your life, you know you're going to be blessed. He took the curse on your behalf. Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. And then we are able to be blessed again by God. So I say to you today, friends, if everything around you is falling apart, in, in your world, you know, maybe things are going wrong and you're not sure what's going to happen next and the future's uncertain and you're just not sure. I want to tell you, even if the created world around you is falling apart, I want to tell you, on the inside, you are still blessed if you've got Jesus in your life. You're still blessed. That's why the Apostle Paul, who wrote this uh, book of Romans, he said, you know, even if things are decaying on the outside, it's the glory of God on the inside that really matters. Let's move on. Now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. I, when I read that a couple of days ago, I was reading this. It's slavery to decay, and I was thinking about, you know, how many scientific people have we got here? Any scientists here? A few. A few people were, no one's got a science degree here. I could say anything and you wouldn't really know, would you? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to preach this sermon again later on, and there's a few scientific people in this, because I, I want to talk to them about the second law of thermodynamics. Who's heard of that? Anyone? Oh, well, there you go. What does it say, Neil, That's exactly what it says. That's the simple version. I was going to read out the, the real scientific, but you'd all go to sleep if I read it out. But it just says what Neil said, that all systems left to themselves tend to decay. All, you know, basically, that's what it is. So in the, in the natural world, if you put an apple out there on the cupboard, on the, on the kitchen bench, and go for a holiday and come back, what's it going to look like? It's not going to be pretty. you know. So the same thing applies to your marriage. The same thing applies to your business. The same thing applies to your bank account. All systems, if you leave it alone and don't do anything, it's going to degrade over time, over time. And if you think your interest rate's high enough to overcome bank charges and, you know, the depreciation, if you find it, well, we'll have that conversation later on. Or you can talk to someone else here who knows a lot more about it than me. But the second law of thermodynamics is true. It's a real thing. And it says that, you know, um, creation is wanting to get free from that slavery to decay By by the way, what's important here, friend, is that science agrees with the Bible and scientists could learn a lot by studying the Bible. A lot of scientific discoveries have been found just by reading the Bible, by the way. Slavery to decay and experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. God wants to make us free. What does that freedom look like? Freedom from from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from anxiety, freedom from fear. I was thinking about this, you know, just imagine for a moment that you're a a young child and you're at the beach with your parents one day. You're sitting there, you know, minding your own business, making a sandcastle on the beach, and along comes a school bully, the schoolyard bully with his mate. They're twice as big as you, you know, and he comes along and he's just gonna, he's kicking sand in your face. He's saying, What are you doing here? What are you doing? And he starts poking you in the chest. And you're thinking, hey, this is not going to end too well. You know? And yet you look around and you see your dad. over there. He's about 30 meters away. And he's about five meters tall. And he's, and he's just walking towards you only slowly because everything's cool. Okay? So he's just walking slowly towards you. you know? And straight away you're thinking, you know, I don't need to worry too much about this. It's not because how big you are. It's about who you're with. It's who's with you at that time. So those bullies, what are they going to do? They're out of here. I mean, they're just gone. They're gone. It's not how big you are. It's not how strong you are. It's who's with you that really matters. Freedom from shame. Freedom from condemnation. Jesus wants to set you free today from all of those things that bind. Wants to make you free. And I believe that this, this chapter, Romans chapter 8, is like it's a manifesto of freedom because God wants us to be free so that we can display to our world around about us what it's really like to live as a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's move on to the next. Uh, we're going to skip a couple of verses and we're going to come to chapter, verse 28. This is a different translation, the Phillips translation. I love this. It says, Moreover, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything that happens, fits into a pattern for good. Now, I know that some people have struggled with this verse and and this idea that, you know, whatever happens to you is actually for good. Well, it's not exactly what it says. It says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But the point is this, God has a long-term plan for your life. And when sometimes when struggles come and when trials come and difficulties come and you're being tested in some area, maybe you're being tested in some point of character. Maybe maybe God is wanting you to grow in patience. Maybe he's wanting... Does that ever happen? It does... does. The Bible says rejoice when trials and difficulties come your way so that you can grow, know that you can grow in faith and know that you can grow in patience. God may be testing you in something, but you've got to know that his long-term plan for you, that's why it says everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. That's a long-term plan. I often think of this verse and it's like the mother with her four-year-old or six-year-old is at the supermarket and walking down the aisles, and they just happen to go down the confectionery aisle, right? How big is the confectionery aisle at supermarkets? I mean, you can go; they've got half an aisle full of cornflakes and wheat, plicks, wheat picks, and there's like a whole aisle full of chocolate and lollies and stuff. Anyway, you happen to be walking down there for some reason, and the child—maybe the child is in the, sitting in the in the the chopping trolley, right? And it's just reaching out. Is this probably more of a two year old rather than a four year old? Okay. They're reaching out. They want it because they want everything. So that's good. I want one of them. I want. So what, what, what happens? It's the mother's idea of good, not the child's idea of good. Is that right? So the mother's saying, hang on, we're going back to the veggie aisle. We're going back to the, that part because that's what you, that's what you really need. Not the chocolates and the lollies and all this. Okay. So. I might be stepping on some toes here. I, I don't know. Maybe if that's the case, I don't know. <laughs> you have to work it out yourself. But the fact is when God says things work together for your good, it's his idea of good, not my idea of good. Because God knows what's good for us. He knows what's good for me. And all things work out for those who love God and are called according to his plan, in his bigger plan and purpose for your life. So when things are falling apart, you can look beyond that and know God's wider purposes for you will always be good. God's plan for your life is always good. And you can endure those short-term difficulties. If you've run out of money or something or, you know, you've run out of what you need or things aren't working out, you can endure that. You can put up with that because you know that God's plan is to bless you and God's plan is for your good and he's going to look after you. Amen. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means that the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you know, if you've opened your heart to God and, and let him come on the inside of you, and you are allowing him to change you, what's happening is you're not just changing in some random way, you're becoming more like his son, more like Jesus. That's what this verse says. That we might become, and there's many other verses that say the same thing, that we might be made in the image of his son. That's what the Father God is looking for. And I really believe that there's a couple of aspects of this again. It means growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus right now becoming more and more like him. That means growing in faith, growing in authority, growing in compassion for people, all those things that Jesus had. We had to grow in all of those things. It also has a futuristic element of as well because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, it says this, that right now you are, it says, I'm going to try and quote this, right now you are a child of God, right now. And we don't know what we will be in the future, but we know one thing that when we see him when we see Jesus we will be like him for we will see him as he really is and and i believe that god will that the, the day is coming when we are taken up into the presence of god we will be completely transformed in that moment to be ultimately like jesus and the transformation process though of your character and of your inner life of your mind and your understanding and of your will that's all being shaped right now The Bible calls that the soul, the soul of mankind. So your your soul is being shaped right now. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, this is verse 30, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And to those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. This is what we were talking about before around the Lord's table, that God has transferred his righteousness or the righteousness of Jesus onto you. Jesus took your sin and you took his righteousness. That's a profound truth. It's a powerful thing. I can imagine that we're going to keep talking about this for a long time at Livestream Church because it's so central to who we are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And you know what? Understanding that changes everything. It just changes everything about my life because I'm not subject to that condemning little voice that sits on my shoulder and says, yeah, look what you just did. That just proves that you're not really a Christian or who do you think you are? You know, you just look at you. Look at what you did last week or look at what you did this morning. Who do you think you are? That's the condemning voice of the enemy. You know, as I was thinking about this this morning, you know, the, the devil doesn't have very many tools in his toolbox. He's pretty limited. But I want you to know that condemnation and that little kind of voice on your shoulder it's one of his most effective tools he uses it all the time condemning, condemning little condemning voice it's like what he's going to present to you is he's going to try and point out all the blemishes and spots in your life now how many people here uh, have done a bit of painting in your life i'm talking about a house painting a few people a bit of house painting so you know what it's like when you've got a room. Say, for example, you buy a house or, you know, and, you, and you're going to paint the house. And someone had a great idea. We're going to paint this room a dark purple. We're going to paint that one a dark green or whatever. And, you, and you, you bought this house. And you just know you've got to return it to some kind of neutral colors, right? So you're going to try and paint over the dark purple. And, boy, I'm really struggling. It's really hard. It doesn't work that easy, does it? It's hard to paint over a dark colour with a light colour. Just think about this. Imagine you've got one of those old fences that's like a, a mission brown fence. Ask me how I know the, uh, you know, I have done a bit of this myself. Trying to paint over one of those old mission brown fences with a, with a white or a light colour. It's really, really hard. And it just keeps wanting to bleed through. It wants to keep coming through the whole time. And that's what the devil loves to do. He loves to point at you and say, see those big blotches and those blemishes over there? That just proves that you haven't really changed. Underneath, you're still exactly the same. Well, I want to tell you today, friends, something different has happened. When you become a Christian, when you ask Jesus into your life, He doesn't paint over and He doesn't just paper over the old colours of your life. He doesn't just paint over the way it used to be and try and dress it up and decorate it a bit differently. He gives you a whole new fence. And because I work in engineering, I, I can tell you what it's like. We, we have a lot of painted things. We have a lot of stainless steel things. And I'm just going to say today that you've been given a new stainless steel gleaming fence that doesn't need any kind of painting. It's just stainless steel. And it's beautiful and it sparkles and it reflects the glory of God out of you. That's That's the kind of fence Jesus has given you on the inside. Now, what happens is we've got, we've got stuff happening around us on the outside that can affect us sometimes. But I want to tell you, start declaring and confessing, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you do, the more you do that, the more you'll become what you're declaring, what you're confessing. That's what's so important, so important. Verse 31, what does all this mean? It means if God is determined to stand with us, tell me, Who then could ever stand against us? Whoever could ever oppose you when you know who you are as a believer, when you know who you are in Jesus. Jesus is your advocate. He's your attorney. He's in your corner. He's on your side. He's your coach. You don't need to worry about what anyone else is doing because Jesus is on your side. And here's the punchline that I really want to get to today. He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Friend, there's no limit to what you can have in God because he's already given you the best. He's already given you his son. He's already given you all he has. Anything that God has for you, you can have in Jesus' name today. There was a, a wealthy man once with his son, who um, spent years collecting a, a collection of priceless artworks. And they had everything they had from Picasso to Raphael and all the famous old masters they collected in this art collection. And uh, they would spend hours looking at it and just enjoying and admiring it. And well, when, when war broke out, the young man was, was uh, conscripted and went away to war. He was a very courageous soldier, but unfortunately one day he was rescuing another wounded soldier and he was struck in the heart with a bullet and, and killed instantly. Well, the father was notified and, uh, you know, grieved for his only son, but uh, that's the way it was. So about a month later, a couple of months later, I, uh, there was a knock on the door and a, a young man stood there with a large package and the man said, the young man said, look, I'm the soldier who your son was rescuing the day that he was killed. And I'm not much of an artist, but I've painted a picture of your son. I know he would want you to have this. It was a picture of your son just before he died. And so the old man was quite, um, you know, challenged by this and quite moved by it. And he unwrapped the picture and saw a, a picture of his son. And uh, he said to the, to the young soldier He said well you've captured his smile so beautifully I'm, I'm going to treasure this and he, and he took it inside and hung it on his mantelpiece Every visitor that came to see the great art collection He would always show them the picture of his son for a start Before the other works of art Well in the process of time The man di- himself died and, and there was to be an auction of uh, all of his famous artworks So um, Influential people were there Wealthy people were there And they came into a a big auction house To see what would happen And when they got there The only picture on the platform Was the picture of the sun And uh, the auction began The auctioneer got his hammer And struck the desk And said well the auction's about to begin Who will give me uh, Who who will buy the picture of the sun right here And there was Stony silence Like crickets chirping Nothing And then a voice from the back of the room said, well, well we didn't come to see this. We came to see, the, you know, we came to see the Van Goghs and the Rembrandts. Get on with the auction. Don't worry about this. The auctioneer persisted. And he said, no, no, we're going to auction the sun. Who, who, will, who will buy this painting of the sun right now? He'll give me $100 or $200 for this painting. And there, there was no, look, look, move on. Move on with the real auction. That's what we're here for. But he persisted. And eventually there was a little voice from the back of the room and someone said, well, well, I'll bid $10 for the painting. It's, it's all I've got, but I'll give, you, I'll give my all for that painting of the sun. It ended up being the guy that had painted the picture, the soldier whose life had been rescued by the, by the young man. And so... The auctioneer tried to get more. He said, Look, can we can we get can we get $20? Can we have a bit more? He tried to get it, but no one else would bid. Come on, move on, move on. We need to see the masters. We came to see the masters, they said. Okay, the auctioneer said, you know, going, no other one, no other bids, going, going, gone, sold to the man at the back for $10. Then he put down his hammer and said, Well, the auction is now closed. They said, What? What do you mean? We what about the paintings? He said, well, special instruction of, of the deceased, his wishes were that there would only be one painting sold today. It was the picture of the son. And the person who bought the son will get all the other paintings and the whole of the estate. So the man at the back receives the painting of the son and the whole estate including all of the other artworks. so You know, that's a wonderful picture for us of that verse of Scripture that says, He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give us all things? And so today, friends, whatever it is that you need that God can supply for you, I want to tell you it's yours in Jesus' name. Eternal life begins the moment you accept the Son. Freedom from fear and condemnation and shame. He came to set the captives free. I love what it says in, in Luke chapter 4. You know, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He's enabled me to set captives free, to open blind eyes, to proclaim healing, to proclaim deliverance, and the captives would be set free. Whatever it is that's holding you captive today in the Son, you can have that. So let's close our eyes for a moment. I, I just want to pray with you, and I want, want to ask you this question. Are you willing to take the sun today? If you're willing to give it your all for that picture of the sun, if you're willing to have Jesus in your life today, I want to tell you there's no limit to what you can receive from God.